0: Hello everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Hippo Brain, where we have hippo-sized conversations with hippo people. Okay, and we'll tell you what hippo people is. You'll discover it yourself actually when you listen to all our Hippo Brain episodes. My guest today is Ajay Rao. Ajay is the guru of loyalty. 30 plus years in loyalty, worked with Lester and We'll hear more about him who's the guru of direct marketing. And uh, uh, before that, uh, or rather in his career, Ajay spent time at ITC hotels, Taj hotels, running their loyalty programs, of course, CRM, data-driven marketing, all of that are part of his uh, vocab. Uh, he also uh, founded Litmus World. He also founded Customer Asset. He spent some time recently at Dentsu. Uh, and uh, here we are with Ajay. And Ajay, Actually this world of loyalty programs is what we're going to dig into today. And when you look at loyalty in the US, there are 3.3 billion memberships, which means pretty much every American is part of some 20 plus memberships or loyalty programs. In India also, we've got like 10 plus, I think I've become a member of from Baskin Robbins to Raymond to uh, to Quattro to whatever else. And then uh, uh, we have a situation where airlines in the last year, we've seen that where the mileage programs, the frequent flyer programs of airlines are worth many times the actual airlines themselves. That's the world of loyalty. But before we get to the discussion, you know, Jemith has some frustrations about loyalty. He'll, ta- he'll tell you about that.
1: Yes, yes, Rajesh and welcome to have you, and nice to have you on the show, Ajay, because I am dying to understand this very basic problem. I hate loyalty programs. They are difficult to get through. I have no clue what loyalty points I have. I am 100% sure there is no loyalty in a loyalty program. I must be in more loyalty programs than I even know of. And suddenly I am enrolled for a few more. They ask me for some phone number. Ye, wo, and this thing to get a sir, 5% discount. Aapko abhi you become a loyalty program member. I am a loyalty program member. If you can see my head, but of a salon also. So I have no clue what the hell is going on and not just individual loyalty program. I am a member of aggregate loyalty programs. And now I am a loyalty program member. Forget credit cards. I'm a loyalty program member of credit, which you help you pay on a credit card. And I have so many points. I have no clue. I don't know how to redeem it. I think it has zero loyalty and every CEO I meet, wants to have a loyalty program. I think the biggest service that any marketing guy can do is join a company and close down that loyalty program. customer ko malum and actually we may end up not spamming him and helping our customer. Sorry Ajay, this is my frustration with loyalty programs. Over to you.
2: OK, so let me uh, first tell you, uh, I share your frustration. I'm a member of uh, lots of loyalty programs and I can literally count on the fingers of one hand the number of times I've got a redemption, okay? Now let me tell you what a loyalty program does and what it doesn't do. And let me tell you the reason why you feel the way you do and the reason why I feel the way I do. Okay, so let's just spend a little moment on that. Before we go further, right? uh, Let me tell you that a loyalty program is a misnomer. Most people think launch a loyalty program, zip zap zoom, magic will happen, and everybody will be loyal, rubbish. What a loyalty program is, it's a tool, right? And it's a tool which gets you five things. Well, it gets you much more than five things, but let's start with the main five things. The first thing it gets you, it gets you data. Now, previously, I knew that I had 100,000 customers. I didn't know who the heck they were. Now, because I've got a loyalty card in your pocket, I know that javitsu has got number one, two, three, four, and rajesh has got number five, six, seven, eight. I know them, I know who they are. If I get them to fill in a profile form, I know a little bit more about them. And they put up the hand originally in the original thinking of loyalty program. Now that's changed a bit, I'll tell you about that as well. And said, look, I want to be a friend of yours, right? And so they made an effort to reach out. The second kind of data which I get at an individual level is transaction data. So what's happened is, because I've got a unique number for you, previously I knew there were 180 butts in that aircraft in that, which went from A to B, right? It flew from Bobby to Delhi. I knew there were 180 people sitting in the aircraft. I didn't know which butt on which seat belonged to who. Now I know. Now I know number one, two, three, four sitting over here and you know he's acquired so many miles. Second kind of data which you get is transaction data. The third kind of data which you get is interaction data which is when you interact with the brand, but you don't necessarily transact. So there may not be money flowing, but you call the call center, you made a complaint, you gave an NPS score, you did something. And I was able to correlate that with the transaction data and with your profile data, many other kinds of data that you get. But let's take these three and marry them together with something that we call composites, which is basically when you put various data pieces together, you start getting a puzzle picture. Right? It's like a jigsaw puzzle. And you're getting to see the picture more and more clearly the more pieces you get, right? So think of it this way. I know that you filled in the profile form and you said that what you want is a redemption to use your ticket so on my airline program to get you to a vacation in London. Okay, great. You told me that. Yeah. Now I know from your flying pattern that you're likely to get that ticket to London within the next eight months, right? So now I've taken transaction data, I married that with profile data. I know you're reasonably happy because the last two times you did rate me on our NPS score, you gave me a nine or a 10, which means that you're willing to recommend me to your friends and family, hey, kind of cool work. Right? So now it's a win, win, win. And now you call the call center, live it, because your bag's been lost. Meantime, Rajesh, who I also know, Who's not flown at all? He became a member, he's never flown. Right? He's got this one flight and he's lost his bags at the same time. Right? Now, who would you give priority to now that you got this data? Right? So let's start thinking about this. So you got the data, you put it together, and you got a much bigger picture in the jigsaw. So that's the first thing you get from a loyalty program. The second thing you get from a loyalty program, and instantly it this. It's, works across industry after industry after industry. Now it doesn't work in some industries like e-commerce, for example, or in the kind of business that you're in. And we'll come to that as well, but just bear this in mind that in old world companies, the first thing that loyalty had to do was individually, you know, uh, tell an individual and identify data by an individual. Okay, second thing you get is you get a communication channel that you own, right? So you don't have to pay anyone to use that communication channel, but if you abuse it, it costs you a heck of a lot because your customer, your member, will repay you for your stupidity in abusing that channel by ignoring you. Right? So I hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, we got a 2% response rate. Right? That's a 98% non response rate.
1: Exactly what right? I've always said.
2: <laughs> Which right. means that you've taught 49 out of 50 people to ignore you. Now, when they ignored you, their life didn't change. Right? Nothing happened. He carried on loving the same people. He carried on working in the same job. Nothing happened. So as a result of that, he's learned that ignoring you comes at no cost. So I may as well ignore you. Anyway, you keep spamming me. But if you treat that channel with respect, right, you can drive. And at our peak, we've driven as high as 88% uh, open rates. But consistently for a period of years, we've driven a 74% open rate. Right? Now... Basically what that means, I mean, let me put this in perspective, right? And you understand this very well indeed. You come from that background. But if your credit card statements have a 65% open rate and your bank statements have a 45% open rate, you're getting a loyalty program statement, which is outpouring both. So it gives you a sense of the power of what you're doing. right? So the second thing you get is a communication channel. The third thing you get is a currency and you can define the value of that currency because you call them points, you call them miles, whatever you wanna call them, but those units of currency total into something which gives disproportionate value to the guy whom you're dealing with. I fly a lot in work, you're an airline, you say, hey, look, you're away from home all the time. Guess what? Here's an opportunity to take your wife and kids on a wonderful holiday to place they would never have gone to where not for your miles, beautiful, right? So you create a currency and a reward system, which is meaningful to the people who do business with you, right? Now let's think about that a minute. I define the value of the currency. So what we try and do is we try and play a game that we call the CPP-BPP game, cost per point, value per point game, which is that we try and keep a cost of redemption down to a minimum, but the perceived value of a redemption to a maximum I'll give you an example: hotels. The cost of a, a hotel is running a 90 percent occupancy. To put somebody into a room, right, cost the hotel zip. right? Let's say it's a five-star hotel. The perceived value is 10,000 rupees of that night. The cost to the hotel is maybe a few hundred rupees. Right? So now, when you give a redemption, the cost is only a few hundred rupees, but the value is 10,000. That play is how we create disproportionate value in your currency,
3: right? The fourth thing which you get
2: is you get an ability to recognize people. So you had data, you had communication, you had redemption and a currency owned, and now you've got the ability to recognize people. Now. If you've ever been on a high tier in a loyalty program, you know that delightful feeling of how superior you are when you join the queue with one person ahead of you and everybody else in that long sneaking queue which goes on for a kilometer, right? And you feel so good about it. That feeling that I can make you feel. Now, I mean, it could be argued, hey guys, fix your queues, man. And why do you want the long sneaking queue? Why do you want the economy's class to be so darn, uncomfortable, yes. right? Why do you want to create that distinction? Actually, there's a very strong reason why airlines do it. Uh, You do know, for example, airline seats, uh, using the technology that's available now, seating technology that's available now, could make economy almost as comfortable as business. And airlines don't do it. They could do flatbeds in economy. Yeah. They have the seat technology to do that, but they don't do it. Have you ever wondered why? Um, Basically, because they make all their profit on business and first. So the more uncomfortable they make economy, the higher the margin they can charge for business and the more money they make. They practically, I mean, I don't know the complete economics of the airline industry, but you basically lose money on the economy and you make it up all in the front of the aircraft from the top of the aircraft, right? Now, likewise with the loyalty program. Those few guys who give me so much money that I can put them in a queue with only one person, Right? I are pay for the salaries and the profit and everything else of the airline. So that's the fourth thing which you get, which is the ability to create recognition, right? The fifth thing which you get from a loyalty program is the ability to create alliance partnerships, right? In one way or the other. One way of doing an alliance partnership is with your members where you can do a charged membership. Uh, another way of doing an alliance partnership is with other brands who are, Complementary but non competitive with whom you can do something in order to create some disproportionate value for the other brand yourself. This gives you a source of revenue, which is incredibly profitable. Now think about the Amazon uh, program, for example, right? Um, what do they really do for you? Uh, what are the costs of that program? It's almost all profit. I mean, okay, they can align costs to it and they can put money against that. But think of it, it's all profit. Think of the FAQ program of the Taj, right? It's almost all profit. Now what happens when you sell that program? People want to use you more to get more benefit from that program, right? So one of the smartest things which loyalty programs do is they do an alliance partnership with their members and say, hey, you pay me money so that he can give me more money so that I can make you feel more special. I mean, isn't that kind of cool? It's a win-win-win. It's like being in love, right? Uh, You know how being in love is the ultimate Uh, ego trip right Uh, somebody you think is wonderful thinks you're wonderful I mean wow I mean who could ask for better right so a loyalty program at its peak right is actually a very nice circle a, a virtuous circle which builds a relationship between the brand and the customer right now how many loyalty programs actually do that all of what I described yeah how many loyalty programs can you think of which do that? You could probably count them on the fingers of one hand. Yeah. And those are the ones that you remember. If you ever took a redemption, let's say you remember a Kingfisher or Jet or one of those programs, and you took your family or people you loved out for a holiday to go out, you'd remember it for the rest of your life. On the other hand, let's see the competition of loyalty, discount. How many discounts did you get last week that you remember? You would have got a discount on almost everything you bought. Yeah. Because the first refuge of the incompetent marketer is let's give a discount. Are we can't
1: sell this, give a discount? <laughs> somebody will buy it. Here, right. Just <laughs> keep dropping the price. We'll sell it to somebody, right? Correct. most marketers don't understand that giving a discount is a slap on your face. Exactly. I mean, rather than feeling affronted, anyway, they feel that this is a marketing strategy.
2: So now that's the competition. Discount, loyalty program, right? Now let's talk about the cost of discounts, right? And just take a minute for that and take the cost of loyalty. And we'll talk about why it works from the company perspective and why CEOs are fond of it, what they get and what they want are of course, two completely different things. But let's just talk about this. Let's say you decide to give away a 10% discount, okay? And your average ticket price is 300 rupees. People walk into your store, they pay 300 rupees on average. 10% discount you're giving, which is worked out to mean 30 rupees, correct? Okay. Now, let's have a look at your profitability. Let's say you're a normal retailer and you have a 20% profit. Your profit, which was 20 rupees on 100 or 60 rupees on 300, has now just come down to 30. So, 30 has been taken from your PNL, the bottom line of your and given into your customer's pocket. Right? Now, is your customer everlastingly grateful to you? No. He's forgotten about that discount by the time he gets to his car in the car park. Right? So, what have you done really? You've just given away money for no purpose. Have you used that 10 rupees to make the customer's life better? Have you invested it in your store to make the experience better? Have you invested in your staff so they smile, smile nicely? No, you get it to him his pocket is already forgotten. So that's the choice on one hand. Let's look at the choice on the other. You create loyalty program, get it right and do all the stuff that I spoke about. You have a very powerful tool, right? In order to cause somebody to want to come back to you and have a good experience. Right now that's a very long answer, but you know, as I was telling you earlier, uh, I do this as a day job, right? And almost everybody tells me how they hate loyalty, but everybody remembers when that loyalty program worked. Right, they'll remember that one instance when, ah, it worked then, oh, it worked then. I must tell you about my favorite airline example. I used to uh, live in India and work in the US. So for about two years, I would fly up and down about 14, 16 times, 18 times a year, right? So I built up a huge number of miles on United because Lufthansa was the only, I used to live in Bangalore then and Lufthansa was the only airline which came to Bangalore. So the connector was United, right? So I had huge amounts of miles. So I um, told the wife, you know, let's go on a holiday and let's do it in style. And so we flew first class. Right. And we were going to London and we flew first class and we got to Frankfurt uh, where we had to wait for a connector. And I said, let's go down to the first class lounge. Right. I mean, and they said, I'm sorry, you can't enter on a redemption ticket. You idiots. <laughs> Have you thought of the number of times I've flown your darned airline. to oh get <laughs> ticket to ticket Fly first class. Uh, No, you're second-class, first-class citizen. (laughs) So now let me tell you what happens. So we go down to the Lufthansa uh, lounge, which welcomes us with open arms because we're a partner airline traveling on first-class. So your own airline, United, says no. And your partner airline says yes. So I've always got a nice warm feeling when I think of Lufthansa and complete disgust and irritation when I think of United. And where were the miles earned? all United. I mean, just think of how incompetent you got to be to do that. Now the guy who ran the, actually the guy who runs the United program now is a friend of mine. And the guy who used to run it then was a friend of mine. So I told him about this. We bumped into each other at a conference. I told him about this. And uh, what do you think he says? Uh, And this is actually a point I'm trying to make. He says, yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of complaints about that lounge. we got to do something about it. <laughs> right? Well, it sounds like every marketeer I know, including me. <laughs> well, I mean, there you go, right? Which is, you've got the complaints because people care enough to tell you. And they're the people who
1: are valuable to you. And then you don't do anything to fix it. Shame on you.
3: Right? Uh, and, and that's and the by, problem by definition, with
1: programs. And by definition, these complaints are coming from your most loyal customers. Exactly. Valuable customers. Exactly. And you're not
2: listening. You're not doing anything about it. Oh, well, you're listening because you heard them, you remember them, but you don't do anything about it. And that is the problem. And, you know, which is where I'm finally coming to answer your question, saying that because people don't make the effort to understand loyalty, the guy's responsible for running it very often. I'm sorry to sell my own community down the river, but a lot of people don't make that effort to understand it. And therefore, you wind up with indifferent loyalty programs that you don't care about. Whereas if you really care, right, uh, you would take notice of that lounge, right? You would say, hey, why does this guy who's potentially valuable to me not care about my loyalty program? True. Yeah. Sorry. I'm now very old. I've been doing this stuff for 35 years, so I'm allowed to lecture and sound
1: mournful and what have you i mean you know, in my ancient no i think you're right ajay and i think it's it is the problem that understanding a loyalty program is understanding a lot of it and it is a step and as i understand what you're saying getting data opening a communication channel creating a currency recognizing people and building an alliance partnership these are the five things that uh, i hear you say and when i look at look back at it it is a step to create loyalty, putting everything together. There is only one point which I found very interesting, which is currency, okay? You, you, uh, you just uh, moved fast through it, but allow me here, to my mind, when you look at currency at a, in a loyalty program, I think it is classical economics. And if you give too much of it, it will cause inflation and the value will go down. If you mess around with it, you print too much, you print too less, there is an issue. Uh, People don't want to use it if it's too less because you want to accumulate a lot. You you suddenly give out 5,000, 10,000 points, then fundamentally the value of the redemption goes down. And this is tricky because also to my mind, every point given out is a liability, the way like a currency is. And how do you manage this? Giving out points, not giving out points, What are the points that really matter to people, et cetera? Can you just help me understand? It looks like an economics uh, class to me. You know, if you
2: rank your customers from one through
1: to N, you'll wind up with
2: a curve like this, right? What Rajesh loves to call Velvetrope marketing, which is a curve which falls very sharply, right? And then flattens, right? Now, the guys who are valuable to you are bunched up on the left-hand side of the curve, right? Those are the guys whom you really want to be loyal. They're the guys whom you want to build a motor around. The guys down the curve, yeah, we love them and all, but do we really want to invest that much money? Unless, of course, they're going to become, they're going to move this side. In which case, hey, yeah, let's do it. But if they're not going to move this side, then uh, do we really, do we really, really care? Now, uh, one of the things which I want you to think about is, uh, are you familiar with the concept of profit share?
1: Yeah. Okay. So
2: basically, there's just so much profit to be made in your market. Correct. Right. Correct. And as a marketer. Our job is to maximize our profit share. Now, in the old days, FMCG companies, profit share and market share were the same thing. Because the more I sold, the less it cost me to make, the more I sold, the cheaper it cost me to distribute, the more I sold, the more I could get into retail, the more advertising I could buy, the cheaper the advertising would be blah, 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 blah. blah. So market share was equal to profit share. If I maximize market share, I maximize my profit. Now think about a lot of the businesses that we're in now, airlines, banking, you know, the kind of stuff that you do. But there's no real correlation between market share and profit share, because if I add people at this end of the curve, right, I make disproportionate profit. If I add people down here, I probably just add to my losses, right? So there's no fun in that. Now, when you're thinking about your loyalty strategy and your currency, where would you want to deploy that liability, right? Now, there are fundamentally three questions who's valuable to me, what's valuable to him or her, and how do I deliver and extract value, you know, granted to that knowledge, right? And how do I do it consistently over time? Now, I know who's valuable to me. It's the guys that are set. And maybe a few of these guys who could potentially move up, right? I have a look at the CLTVs and I got a sense of it. Where would you deploy your currency? Now, there's really a question of when I'm going to take that liability, right? where will I start allowing redemption? So let's say I've got a curve like this and I only allow redemptions at this point. Sorry, I'm not sure if I can see it. So it's sort of midway at the curve, which means half the people in my loyalty program will see no value in my loyalty program, right? But the half of C value, let me put everything over there. Now a discount went across the board, but here I can deploy that currency and the liability, which it implies more strategically, you follow? Which is why we do higher earn rates at the higher part of the program because I can give disproportionate value and therefore build disproportionate loyalty. Okay, now let's go back to the question that you asked. Right? You said it's fundamentally economics and basically uh, you know the demand supply gap, and you're absolutely right. Okay. Uh, the beauty of the currency here is if you design your loyalty program correctly, you're making money every time you give that currency out. So, think about it. You go away in the currency, have to you're making that, yeah. more money because the guy's spending more money with you, or because he's saving you money. Let's say, for example, in the old days, we'd encourage people to sign on for e statements in banking because it saved the bank a lot of money. Uh, so, let me give you a few loyalty points. It's a one off cost, but guess what? I regain that every month, right? When you do an e statement. Okay. So, if you think about costs and you say, how do I reduce the cost to serve? Let me reward that as well. Now, what is happening is that you would not give up that cost if you cared about it as a customer. If you really, really wanted your paper statements, you wouldn't get carried away and say, "Ah, oh, he's giving me hundred points to give me an E statement. Because you don't care, it saves me a lot of money, right? Remember that discount which you went to the car park and you didn't remember it? Same logic, except now it's working for you. You follow? So what you're really doing is you're taking that liability and you're putting it behind your p You're saying either I make more money or I reduce cost. Right, cost to serve, or cost to something. You with me? Yeah. That's really the way to think about it. Put the liability where it matters, the valuable guys. Put the liability where it matters, where I make money. And put the liability where it matters, where I save cost. Which means that every rupee of li- liability, or every dollar of liability, depending on which currency you're working in, actually means that you make money. Now, let me tell you how you make money twice over in many industries. Yeah. Right? Let's take hospitality. Kind of familiar with that? Now, I give you a redemption room night. Right? You take the redemption room night, and you're thrilled because you got a ten thousand rupee room night. You got three of them. Right? For not thirty thousand rupees but for, in your mind, 10,000 rupees worth of points. Okay, you're a happy camper. What do you do? You tell your wife, hey, go to the spa. You call your friends over and say, you know what, I'm staying in this hotel, come and grab a beer. You get carried away and you up to the lobster with your dinner, right? How much money do you think the hotel company makes out of you? Now, remember when they gave you that room night, that room was empty. Remember, we talked about 90% occupancy. It was probably 60% occupancy, which meant the room was empty. in any case. It didn't actually cost them a dancing to give it to you. Now look at the money you're spending. And the profitability on that. So you're actually making money when the redemption is happening. True. And if I play that cost per point, value per point game correctly, which is I bring you on the trough by saying, look, you know, this room night would have cost you 10,000 points usually I'm giving it to you for 3,000 points now. No, you're not stupid. You say, hey, look, 10,000 points, 3,000 points, you know, let me take the 3,000.1, right? And I've given it to you in my trust, which meant when my business was down, which meant that any money is good money for me at that point, and you're coming and spending a fortune, right? So when you think through loyalty, and you think about the smarts involved in it, Right? And then you realize that, you know, a lot of people who do retail loyalty programs and they say, sir, give me your uh, mobile number and I'll give you 5% back from this purchase itself, sir. Correct. And you realize how they're shooting themselves in the foot because they had all these wonderful opportunities available and they chose how to take it. Now, let me give you an example of retail loyalty done right. Um, An April store launched a premium loyalty program where they charged quite a fortune for people to become members, right? Uh, they called it black, and they charged, let's call it 6,500 rupees.
1: All loyalty programs are either called black, purple, gold, <laughs> you know, signature, gold and exclusive. Metal, you know? Some kind of precious metal and then black on top, yeah. <laughs>
2: let's say it wasn't very original in the thing, but they had a reason why, because their color is black. They launched with black and white and stuff like that. Anyway, so they launched the program. What do you think happens after people buy the program?
1: I'm assuming they want to justify that purchase.
2: Yeah. So how much extra do you think they spend? I don't know. (laughs) Do you think it would be safe to say 10% more, 30% more, 300% more?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I would be in that range.
2: Yeah. It's 300% more. Wow. (laughs) So what's happening is that they identified a gap which is there are a bunch of people who really wanted to be far more loyal to them than they were, and they're willing to pay for it. Two ways. One, by taking the program membership and then by spending more in the store. Now, when they got the program membership, they got what they really wanted was they got treated like they were royalty when they came to the store. Sure. Right? So that was really the insight in the program. Right? Treat the people who want to spend a lot with you really well, and they will spend a lot with you. Now, compare that to the guy who said look i'll give you five percent back oh and you know what when you think about redemptions right um, can you see my fingers move like this it looks yeah like so yeah we call that money back shopping okay. which is you earn today and you redeem tomorrow you earn today and you redeem tomorrow which means you've reduced your loyalty program to being like that five percent discount because all i'm doing is i'm getting my five percent discount each time right assuming my bills are more or less the same Right? Now, as loyalty guys, we don't like that. We want you to build up your points till you get a decent redemption that you remember. Something that we call a dream reward. Right? Or something that we'd call a little indulgence. Right? I'll give you an example. Sure, you flew to Goa, you remember that. But you know what? If I gave you two tickets for you and your significant other to go for a movie and edit it on on a day of the week rather than a weekend and say, what the heck? Take work off, the organization will not collapse. Enjoy yourselves. You'd remember that as well. And if I threw in the popcorn, you'd certainly remember it, right? So it doesn't take much. What it takes is to make people care, right? So what it really boils down to, loyalty is about getting people to care. So I give you an example of a program which I ran, and then this was soon after I stopped running it. I moved out to another organization, but I bought the card out of loyalty, right? Uh, I wonder what that is. Anyway, so uh, my my dad was, um, you know, nearing his final days, and he was getting frailer and frailer, and uh, I was in Bangalore, which is where they lived. Uh, he passed away subsequently, and. Uh, so I said, hey, you know what? Let me take you guys out. Where do you like to go? And let's have a lovely lunch when you're still able to do it. Because, you know, you may not be able to do it for much longer kind of thing, right? So, so my dad said, you know, can we go to that place in the West End? You know, the, uh, the blue ginger. And, you know, my mom was hissing and spitting. Because, you know, uh, why does he ask for blue ginger? He knows it's so expensive. And then I called a few relatives. I called my brother. I called an uncle. I called, you know, their kids came. Everybody kid, came a party about... Um, maybe 17 of us, right? And um, off we go to the blue ginger. And then I asked my dad, uh, would you like a drink? And he said, I'd love a drink. And obviously everybody else also said they'd love a drink. This is getting I said, better. Mom is, I mean, she's really hissing <laughs> like a little cobra, right? You know, why does he do that? He knows everybody else. This is going to be so expensive. I don't know why you've done this, blah, 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 blah. She's hissing away. Anyway so the meal gets over it's a lovely meal my dad enjoys himself thoroughly everybody enjoys themselves thoroughly and uh, i paid with my points right uh, the points weren't enough to completely cover the bill and so there's about 2700 rupees over which i had to pay my credit card so they gave me the credit card slip for 2700 rupees which i showed my mom and she said wow That's all. I I thought it would be a little bit more expensive. It's still a lot of money, but, you know, I thought it would be more expensive, right? Now, just think about this. Now, I'm telling you the story. This happened many years ago, right? Uh, When my dad, Blessing, was still there. Uh, My mom was happy because her son didn't get ripped off. My dad was happy. I mean, he had a lovely meal that he could remember, right? With people whom he loved the most everybody's happy because they don't have two or three drinks so you know I mean most people get happy after two or three drinks except those who get morose which are the other story right just think of the value of that now if you can create moments that matter
3: for people who matter right
2: you can create loyalty because relationships are nothing but a series of interactions, which are nothing but a series of moments. If you use your loyalty program to
3: manage those moments effectively, right? If you use your loyalty program to make people care, it'll work.
2: Now you know why I hate most loyalty programs. Now I know why I I hate.
1: (laughs) I with you. You're right, it's... It's not just about uh, giving a money or a transaction but those moments. Yeah, Rajesh, sorry. sorry. No, I
0: was just going to ask Ajay, Ajay, is there anyone in India who's doing loyalty right?
2: Quite a few, actually. Mm-hmm. I'd like to believe that, uh, you know, a program which survives the airline which it was a part of is doing something right. <laughs> right. That I agree. I'd like to believe American Express, not necessarily that well with payback, but certainly with uh, membership rewards, I think they do a pretty good job. I'd like to believe that Taj did a reasonably good job. Um, I'd like to believe that, you know, I must tell you the story about a loyalty program for the illiterate. No points, no card, right? So Gujarat Amuja cement was a client. This is about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, something like that. Gujarat Amboja cement was a client and they called and said they wanted to do a loyalty program. So I, When by assuming they'll want to do, uh, you know, they make cement, right? And BS 53 cement, whether you make it, I make it, somebody else makes it, it's identical, right? Uh, So I assume they want to do a loyalty program for architects or builders or something like that. No, they want to do a loyalty program for Masons. So I told the marketing guy who called me, I said, boss, I mean, you really got to stop smoking those cigarettes because, you know, it's clearly messing with your brain because, you know, I mean, they're illiterate. You can't find these guys. I mean what loyalty are you going to do with it right and he said i'll tell you what um the gentleman who created the company and ran it at that time was a chap called narutam Saksaria, who's one of the greatest managers india's ever known and so he um they used to call him saxi so he said i'll tell you what you're going to tell saxi that yeah it's his bright idea so, oops <laughs> so, okay i won't say him quite those those <laughs> words but i will suggest to him that he might want to reconsider how he deploys his funds, right? <laughs> anyway, so I went to meet with Mr. Kasseria. And uh, I think the difference between him and me was evident in that conversation. What he told me, he said, look, I've heard your views, right? So don't bother telling me why I shouldn't do this program. Let me tell you my views. And then you give me a response. So you hear me out. He said, in every village in India, There's a village reader, right, who charges 10 rupees to read a letter and another 10 rupees to respond to that letter, right? I want you to create 12 communications which will go to these masons in Gujarat, right? Over a 24-month span, two-year span, 12 communications, one every two months. Those communications should be so good that that mason who's illiterate and who earns four or 500 rupees a month will walk eight kilometers through the blazing hot sun of Gujarat
3: in order to get this letter read. Pay 10 rupees for that.
2: And then pay another 10 rupees to write back to me to say thank you. I want him to care that much about the communication which he gets from me. If you can do it for me, great, let's talk. If you can't, I'll find someone else. Now, now just think of the mind, right? So when I say, you know, making people care, right? Where I learned it from was Mr. Sixaria. He said, what will make that Mason care? So we went and met with Masons and we figured, um, you know, what would make them care, which was basically that uh, Gujarat Emergence Mets would become a partner in their progress as Masons will become a partner in what they did. And so the 12 communications are really about helping him, you know, make more money from being a Mason. It was Really well done. And we spent a lot of time understanding it. And Gujarat Amuja had a lot of experts. And so, you know, it was quite a well done communication. We got a 65% response rate. 65% of masons would write back and say, thank you. Now remember, our addresses were literally, you know, uh, Patelji Mistri. Near Banan Tree, some village in Mesana, which you can find. I mean, it's not on the map. And the letters would get to those guys somehow. Another wonderful thing which the postal system in India was. I mean, it used to get through somehow. But also just think of the imagination of the Six area.
3: Make people care.
1: I'm I'm very curious on this communication. This is extremely, extremely. So I've worked in cement at some point of time in consulting. And I kind of get it also. The Mason is often looked down upon. What will he speak? If he if he recommends a brand, the owner whose building will say he's sold to the guy who's underhand, Kuch hoga. But what kind of a communication would you actually? I'm just trying I'm a little curious. What a 65% rate on getting i you know, I'll describe it to you. Easy. You know, what it
2: was, was they uh, the, the creators did a fantastic job, right? Uh, full disclosure, the creator was actually my brother. But uh, I mean, the, he was a big time copywriter in those days. So he, I think he did the copy and somebody else did the the uh, visuals. Uh, basically, it was all on one side. So what would happen was the Mason could stick that creative up on his wall And it was all done through a series of drawings, right, which would help him remember. So the insight was that this will form almost like a curriculum learning program. I mean, to use Lester Wonderman's term or drip drip, as you were saying in your note, Rajesh, um, it would form a program by which he learns how to be a better mason. And the the visuals, the the drawings, would help ensure that he remembers it the written part was on the back, which would stick to the wall because that he couldn't see in any case, he couldn't read it. So he didn't care. But once read to him with the visuals, he knew exactly what it said, you know, for years after. Right? Now, what did those programs do? So one communication, for example, uh, I remember I'm talking about maybe 30 years ago, right? 25, 30 years, something like that. Uh, one communication, was around how to do business in the monsoon. Now, the insight there was for four months of the year, five months of the year, the Mason's business basically stops. So if you tell him two months in advance that he can actually continue your business in the monsoon, just how, right? It's incredibly valuable. Another communication, if I remember right, was around how to do business with a bank. Now, these are people who, as you said correctly, were treated very badly. And if they showed up at a bank, you know, they'd be, right? This actually enabled them to change the power dynamic because they knew. And who told them? Gujarat Ambusha Cement? I mean, you know, the genius of Gujarat Ambusha Cement. I mean, of course, I mean, Mrs. Cary himself is of course a genius, but that ability to do that and spend the time and the effort and try and understand, have these insights, I think about may that work, but if you don't care, see if you care, you'll figure this stuff out. If you don't care and you say, "Look at the bag of BS 53 cement," I, mean, I can't make a difference. You won't. Incidentally, uh, one of the things which uh, Gujarat Amarit Cement used to do, I don't know if they still do it, is have you ever been to a cement plant? Right, it's got cement dust for miles around. Right, in Gujarat Thermal yeah. Cement, there's no cement dust. At least when I went to the plant. And they have a rose garden in the middle of the plant. Yeah. Just to show you that it can be done. You can make cement without messing up the environment. And I'm talking about this, as I said, 25, 30 years ago. So I hope, like, heck, they still do that. But wow. Uh, I'm obviously a fan, so I'm going to tell you one more story about making people care. Uh, most companies that I've worked for, right, I've never really cared About them or what they did. At that time, I used to be with Trikaya. Now, Trikaya um, is perhaps a little before your time, but uh, Rajesh may remember. They were not, they didn't win more awards than all the other, uh, any other agency. They won more awards than all the other agencies put together. They were brilliant, right? And it was just one thing after the other. The one time when I felt proud of them was, I don't remember the bomb blast in Bombay right? Uh, You remember when there were these bomb blasts all over Stock Exchange, Air India, Whirly, boom, 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 they just went off, right? And after that, a campaign was run. Uh, Salaam Bombay, it's my Bombay and I'm proud of it, right? Do you remember that campaign? You probably remember that, even if you don't remember anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that campaign was done basically for free by Trikaya and it was paid for, all the media, etc., was paid for by Mr. Sixaria and Gujarat Abuja Cement on one condition. Nobody must ever know. They said, look, it's a campaign for Bombay. It's to make Bombay feel good again. And the campaign said, Stock Exchange blast on the 12th, Friday. Stock Exchange reopens on Monday,
3: and the Sensex goes up. It's my Bombay, and I'm proud of it.
2: Salam Bombay. I mean, it was full of stuff like that. Bomb blast in Zaveri Bazaar. So many, uh, you know, shots shattered. So many people killed. Zaveri Bazaar opens on Monday, and people are buying. It. It's by Bombay, and I'm proud of it. True. Right. I, I remember mean, that campaign. The ability to make people care. Right. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be done through a loyalty program, but look at the impact it has. You remember years later, right? If you care. So that's really what loyalty is all about: making people care. It's also about something else. And that's the opposite of caring, which is a habit. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, just think about a lot of things which you do today, right? How much of it is habit and how much of it is because it's the right thing to do? The newspaper you read in the morning, the toothpaste you use to brush your teeth, you know, the car you drive. I mean, how much of it is just habit? True. So, what a loyalty program really wants to do is A, make you care on the one hand, and B, instill a habit. So you just keep doing it without thinking about it. Um, if, If you're a married man, right? And you go to work, okay, nowadays we don't go to work because of COVID, but if you did go to work, you'd come home in the evenings, right? And you'd have your routine, you know, you'd have your dinner with your spouse and you know, you'd blah, 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 whatever, right? That's the way most of us live our lives, right? Imagine one day you come home and your spouse has locked the door and she says, go and find yourself somewhere else. Um, you know, I'm darned if I'm gonna... Okay, she's in a bad mood. You go out, meet a few friends, come back later, all's okay. She does it again. She does it again. What happens? A moment of abruption happens when you're beginning to think, is this a relationship that's gonna work for me? Now, as long as that moment of abruption did not happen, habit continued. So one of our jobs as loyalty people is to ensure that there's no moment of abruption. But you just keep on repeating the behavior which is so profitable to me.
1: Just keep them coming. Keep them coming. You're doing the right thing. Sab barabar hai. Continue kar. Continue kar. God bless your little heart because
2: that's how I make money. But I don't need to spend more money to keep you coming back. It's just a habit. You just keep doing it. I mean, for example, I mean, you take the, uh, one of my favorite examples is a toothpaste that you brush your teeth with right? The, and all of us are highly educated, yeah, intelligent yeah. human beings, right? The chances are you use, unless you had a moment of eruption, like your dentist told you something or something happened, right? Or uh, the chance are you probably use the same toothpaste your mom gave you when you were a kid. Yeah. Right. It doesn't change for the vast, I, there are some people who just buy on the deal. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah they that's a different story. Company,
2: yeah. Right. And, and that's fine. But I'm seeing most of us just stick with whatever it is, right? It ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, one of the reasons for that, which, of course, Rajesh has been thinking about a lot uh, with something which he's been working on, uh, which is this entire concept of attention span for a very short time. Right? Because I'm scared of encroachment on my time, I don't want to rethink something which ain't broke. Right? I just don't have the mind space for it. There are too many decisions to be made. There are too many things going on. At least the stuff which ain't broke, not let's fix it, and let's just carry on. Yeah. So I think uh, you know, Rajesh has been thinking about how do you create little moments of abruption by telling people that I'm going to do that, right? So I think, which is a very, to my mind, a very interesting uh, concept. And I think you know, you find it uh, you know uh, as potentially a very valuable thing for a tool for marketers to use, right?
0: It's a fascinating uh, set of stories, uh, Ajay, and I want to take up one thing. as We're nearing the end. You know, you talked you talked about Lester Wonderman and his book. You know, being direct uh, as one of the classics. Um, tell us a little bit more about why you think all of us should read that book, and tell us about Lester Wonderman. You worked for him, um, uh, and about the book.
2: So you know, sadly, when I worked at Wonderman. Uh, I never met Lester. I only met him after I left Wonderman and we started customer asset and I was based in New York. And then Barbara, who was my boss, who was the CEO of Bunderman said, what do you mean you never met Lester? Let's go across and meet him. And we walked down the road to, He was at that time, the chairman of Mitchell Madison, which was a spin out from McKinsey. And so we actually went and met him and, you know, I fell at his feet quite literally and figuratively and you embarrassed the hell out of it. But it was literally, you know, I mean, Everything I learned, I learned from him, kind of thing up to that point, and even subsequently. Okay, let me talk to you a bit about his life and his book. Uh, his book is full of the most fascinating stories, which help you understand um, direct marketing very well indeed, because direct marketing is nothing but uh, you know life. So, one of his stories is um, as, as a kid, he used to uh, deliver groceries, right? And he'd deliver groceries in all these swank apartments on Park Avenue, uh, you know, which was on the ground floor, the first floor, and he'd get a nickel or a dime. And he'd deliver groceries to this uh, widow who lived up on a seventh floor of a walk-up, no lift, so seven floors up, right? And she'd always give him a dollar. And you know, and she was obviously very badly off. And so he asked her. He said, you know, all these very wealthy people, they give me a nickel or a dime. And you give me a buck. Why? And she said, See,
3: your value to them is nothing.
2: Your value to me is immense. And Wonderman's learning from that is never think of how much the person can afford, always think about how valuable you are. Right? It's just full of these anecdotes. And, you know, once you've heard the anecdote, it becomes very difficult to forget them, right? He talks about how he created uh, what we now know as the American Express card, right? And how he thought about that. He talks about how he created a curriculum learning program for Ford, which literally took you from the Escort to the Lincoln Mercury and everything along the way, right? And the way they do that is they would keep giving you inputs. Once you bought this, they know you're gonna be in market for that, let's say you bought an Escort, you're gonna be in market for a Taurus, uh, you know, three years down the line, right? So they start giving you the inputs when you bought the Escort, all the way through to when you get the Taurus, making you aware that the Taurus is the car for you. Not making you unhappy with the Escort, because they first keep you very happy about that. But as you come closer to the point at which you're gonna buy, they start telling you why the Taurus is better. And then from there onwards, right? So. Walterman's book is full of stuff like that. Now, all this stuff, right, is what you use in digital today,
3: or you should be using in digital today. It's, it's inter, I, he's the guy who coined the term interactive.
2: He's the guy who coined the term relationship marketing. He also coined the term direct marketing, uh, which, you know, in a way, and the way he defines direct marketing, is in itself an education. Right. So I really believe that you know, there's so much to learn from the guy. I mean, so much of what we do today was born in Lester Mondewin's brain back in the 50s and the 60s, right? I mean, he was really
1: exceptional. It's always going back to basics. That's something that I have learned again and again and again and again. And and what you're saying is right. It's a left brain and a right brain combination. And it looks like a very left brain thing. point he will do more. But what you're saying is interesting. It's a lot of, lot of the right brain thinking. But just why do companies get it wrong? Why is it? What are the errors that they make? I, I know we have very little time for this. And I'm sure looking by your smile, this, this is another half an hour answer. But no, <laughs> it's a... It's,
2: it's less than a 10 second answer. Tell me why do they get it I wish wrong. I knew. <laughs> I just wish I knew. I, mean, I can't figure it out. Why? It's so simple. Why is it that you can't make the effort to get it right? I mean, I genuinely, you know, I meet with so many people. It's not that they're lazy people. It's not that they're dumb people. They try. I mean, why don't you just get it right? I mean, good, honest thinking people. Yeah. I mean, they're not careless. They're not, you know, uncaring people.
1: But yet, somehow so few people get it right, and when they get it right, it's magic. So if I have to go back tomorrow to my work life, and I say, "Aaj loyalty, I will get it right." Okay? I itna sab nahi aata hai. And if I will come. I will hire an awesome guy like you. Lekin start karne what, what? one thing? Ki, bhai, start this way. So basically, those
2: three questions, right, is a darn good starting point. See, finally, you want to make people care. And to make people care, first you've got to decide who's valuable to you. I mean, so who do you want to care? I mean, you can't do it for everybody. You're going to have constraints. You're going to have to work within a certain number of people. So who's valuable to you? That's the first question. Figure out what's valued to them. What will make them care, right? And see whether or not you can deliver that. That's all it really takes. And then based on that you can build a program. You know what my mom says about me? Uh, you know, when people say, what do your son do and all that? And she blinks and says, you know, when you go to the shop, now, nah, they give you that plastic card. Huh? And then you swipe it and you learn points. And then after that, they'll give you a broken toaster. <laughs> and that's what my son does. <laughs> so now, you know, when you ask me about liability, I want to tell you about loyalty liability and the amount of time that we spend figuring out loyalty liability, how to store it in your books and the crows and crows which are involved in that how we talk about adjusted bitters, where the money gets made. I resist the temptation all, about all that because what it really boils down to is that broken toaster. <laughs> and, I mean. and the lounge that you did not get access. And to. the lounge that you did not
1: get access. <laughs>
2: <to>. <laughs> but think of the ones where it worked,
1: right? the holidays that you took. I just keep wondering, those days of loyalty programs seem to be dying. Yeah. Of course, what you're saying is the good old Taj, the good old... Um, uh, uh, jet airways one, which, which, which really brought loyalty, but all the new guys seem to be abandoning it. Everybody's saying cost low, simple, Karo pass on all the benefit upfront, like almost like a Walmart everyday low price kind of a concept. I don't know. Is it dying? Is it, or it's just, we've gotten lazy.
0: No, Ajay is so right about the memories that being part of a good loyalty program creates. And I Mm -hmm. remember a couple of years ago, I was on my way back from the US. And uh, like many others, I take the nonstop, the Air India flight. Um, So when I was boarding in Newark um, in the business class thing, they come up to me and said, Mr. Jain, we have upgraded you to first class because of the number of flights that you have taken with us and for your loyalty. I mean, I had never flown first class. I would always pass. You know, when you are in economy, you want to be in business. And in business. But of course, at three times, you know, the fare of a business class ticket, it's just not worth it. I was the only person in first class. I had three people serving me. I can't, I couldn't even eat the, I don't drink. Um, the meal, they didn't have a giant meal there. So I got my same business class meal in first class. But. I came back and you know, that's a memory. I don't have memories of the business class. I have the memories of this first class because it was created by loyalty. And it was a very different experience and something different uh, in my life.
2: That's the point, make people care. I, I think loyalty is changing, right? I think a lot of the reasons why we did loyalty Right. For example, data, the way all that has changed. Now, in the digital world, you don't need that. The comm channel, you've got in any case. Right. So, if loyalty doesn't reinvent itself, which I think it's in the process of doing, and that's maybe another conversation, maybe a year down the line. Right. Um, It's basically yesterday's solution for a lot of industries. Things are changing. And
1: I think if loyalty doesn't change, you know, it's going to get left behind. Oh, I'm with you, Ajay. So I think uh, it's it's the same thing. Like, uh, just before I summarize, I got some interesting listening. But Rajesh, anything you'd like to say to, uh, to summarize before I try and close this?
0: I think the two points that uh, Ajay said, make people care and make it a habit. And that's, I think, at the crux of a good loyalty program. I mean, it's not just about the points and the rewards and all of those things, those are sort of the, the the byproducts which are there. But it's about the memories that using those points create those free um, um, free uh, no, tickets that you get for everyone else, the f- things that you get, not the broken toaster, of course. Um, but I think really it's about care and habit. And I think many times, like what Ajay said, it's really we spend a lot of time thinking about the mechanics of the loyalty program, not realizing that the person behind the who's going to be beneficial, for whom the loyalty program is going to be beneficial, are really your best customers. It's that connect with you know velvet rope marketing uh, that is there. How do you create awesome experiences uh, for your best customers? I mean, loyalty is really about royalty in that sense.
1: Yeah, Rajesh. And, um... Moments that matter for people that matter. That's that's a big takeaway. Who is valuable to you and what is valuable to them? It's not simple. I'll tell you, you know, one of the uh, uh, interesting ones. and uh, Loyalty programs is fundamentally you saying that I want to know who my good customers are. I want to track them and I care about them. I'll tell you, uh, I used to work in, diff- I worked in different industries. And whenever I've gone to, one of the things in research I've been taught by my mentors is that you go to loyalists, but you also go to the lapsed customers. You know those who stopped going, uh, doing business with you. When you talk to them, you know a lot of it came. A lot of the recurring theme that the lapsed customers used to keep saying: by When I stopped doing business with you, you didn't even care. You didn't even ask me. You didn't even come to me. When I was doing good to you, ye karo, wo karo, sir, apko ye milega. And that bitterness is something that he carried. I think a loyalty program and some of these numbers also help you solve. Okay, you don't create the greatest loyalty program in the world. But at least you have the ability to recognize which customers have stopped, which customers have reduced and the ability for you to talk to them and go back and care. I think in this madness of loyalty, in this madness of numbers, somewhere, Ajay, I think what you're trying to say is that We've lost that heart and let's get that heart back. And finally, if you care about your customers, loyalty it's a way to identify who, reward, look at that curve, talk to them, and it matter. It's, it's old business, it's good old stuff. There's nothing rocket science in that sense about it. But I think we just mess it up. But I think today it's rare that uh, uh, hippo brains are amazing conversations. And I write and I think. But hippo conversations that makes me feel like slapping myself for being a marketing guy, make me write notes, today was that conversation, Ajay, I thank you a lot. Hopefully, we will be able to make one little change in our customer's life. And thank you. And you've been an absolute hippo-brain and do subscribe to us, do listen to us regularly. These are things that make people happier.